Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to start a series this morning through this great book of the Bible. We'll eventually work our way all through, all the way through this book. We're starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1 this morning. And I want to say again something about the word, uh, the day of prayer, how much I appreciate the day of prayer. Our nation, more than anything, needs a spiritual awakening, needs the power of God, and, and uh, there's no greater thing you can do for your nation than to pray. And so let's join millions of Christians across our nation praying for our nation. And also, that, there's information in the bulletin about that. There's not information about the, um, a ministry that um, I love called Safe Families. It helps families and particularly children in the times, times of uh, need or vulnerability, and they're having a clothing sale. It says there's a sign up there. It says it better than that. I'm not very eloquent about it. Anyway, like a, it's sort of like a fundraiser doing a garage sale type thing. And if you're interested in helping families and particularly uh, children in a time of need, it's a great way to do it. There's a little uh, out in the atrium, kind of by the Vacation Bible School table, you'll see some information about it. And there's, there'll be a person out there who will answer any questions or help you know more about it. Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read the first four verses. Let's read those together. And uh, if you're online following us, just open your Bibles and follow along as we read along in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The Bible says, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Well, let's talk about this God of all comfort that Paul introduces us to right at the beginning of this book of the Bible. And uh, there are two basic principles I'd like you to note. If you're a note taker, I'd encourage you to write these down. The first principle is this, God comforts according to his nature. He's called here the God of all comfort. He comforts according to his nature. And I love talking about God's nature, trying to understand more of who God is, what he's about, not just making him like, you know, in the days of idolatry, you try to make a God like you wanted your God to be, but God is who He is, and His nature is great, and I learn more about Him the more I go to His Word. Let's look at verse 3 that talks to us about the nature of God, about who God is. Uh, Paul says here, blessed be the God and Father. By the way, just saying, I'm going to praise God. I can't keep this back anymore. There's something about knowing God that leads us to praise Him, and praise true praise comes out of our understanding of who God is, our desire to thank Him for who He is. And He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now note here that He's describing God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now God is, by nature, a compassionate, comforting God. And God sent His Son to us. We call Him the Lord Jesus Christ, for those of us who know Christ as Savior, He is our Lord. And God sent Him to us in our brokenness, in our pain, in our trauma, our failure, and our sin. Because the Bible tells us all of us, of course, have sinned against God. All of us. We've all had failure as a part of our lives. We're all broken. We all know something about pain. You brought with you some, some sort of baggage, some sort of damage to your life. All of us have sinned against God, but all of us have 
had pain and hurt and sorrow, broken relationships, disappointments, hurts. We've damaged ourselves, of course, in our sin. We've been damaged by the sins of others. We have the hurts of our past, the pains of our disappointments. All of you have that. You bring that to this place. But the Bible tells us God didn't just leave us in our brokenness. He didn't just leave us in our brokenness. Some of you, God, sort of like, well, there's got to be a God. Um, all of this something can't have come from nothing. There must be a someone who made this something. Somewhere there's a God, but God is distant and removed. Some people have viewed God that way, but that's not how the Bible describes God. The Bible describes God as personal, as His very nature, personal. He cares about you. He created you for a purpose. And if you know Him as Savior, He saved you for a purpose. And you matter to Him. He knows every detail there is about you, including the scars, including the pain, including the sin. He knows it well. And God, knowing all of that, sent His Son into this world. God became a man and lived the perfect life for us and then did something unbelievable, extraordinary. He died, Jesus died in our place on the cross for our sins. He took our shame, our suffering, our pain upon himself on the cross, and he died for us there. If you ever wonder if God loves you, if he cares about you, there's a, there's a demonstration of God's love. He cared about this broken, fallen world. And because of that, Christ forgives us in salvation, and he heals us, and he comforts us. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have never trusted Christ as Savior, I want you to give your life to Christ today. I want you to see how much he loves you. I want you to see how broken you are without him. I want you to see that you need to repent of your sin and place your trust in Christ who died for you and rose from the grave for you and receive him as Savior. You need to be saved, the Bible says. You need a Lord, the Bible says. We need Christ. Only Christ can save us. He's described, secondly, as the Father of mercies here. Notice the Bible in verse 3 calls him the Father of mercies. That sounds odd to us because we don't think this way, but we need God's mercy. We, we sort of see God as maybe like an advisor. You know, if you get in trouble, he'll help you a little bit. But the truth is we are rightly under the judgment of God, rightly. We've sinned against God who is holy, and God is rightfully a judge, a righteous judge, which ought to frighten us all the more. In our, if we're depending upon ourselves and our goodness, how could we really stand before a righteous judge who knows everything there is to know about us, every sin we've ever committed? We could hide it from others. Others might not know it, but God knows everyone, even the ones no one else knows, even the ones we've tried to hide from everyone, even to hide from ourselves. God is the God of all mercies, and we need God's mercy. We need his love, even though we don't deserve it. And then he's described in verse 3 as the God of all comfort. And I love this description of God. That's who he is. He's the God of all comfort. That's what he does. He comforts. This week we had a funeral. It's very common. We have funerals, of course. And we had a funeral for a 19-year-old who had uh, special needs and passed away. And that family, of course, grieved. They have cared for him and loved him and encouraged him. But I watched this, as I've, I've seen the difference so often, of the families who have um, gone through some sort of 
painful loss like this who know Christ as Savior versus those who don't. And listen, if you know Christ as Savior, you still face pain in this world. You still have grief. You still suffer loss. Death is still a part of this broken, fallen world. And I've watched Christians who have grieved, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. And this family is very active in our church, and the father's a deacon, and I just watch them. They're grieved. It hurts. There's pain. But they know something about the God of all comfort. And I am thankful for that. And I've watched it many times. We go through the brokenness of this world, and we're not immune to it. But there is a God who comforts us in that brokenness. And he promises us one day, of course, a time when there's no more tear or sorrow or pain or separation. But in this world, he brings comfort to us. That's his nature. That's who he is. That's what he does. And so let's make some application here. Three applications to this. If you're taking notes, let's write these three things down. Number one, would you know, he changes lives. The God of all comfort is in the life-changing business. That's what God does. Exhibit A is found in verse 1. Paul, the Bible says, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother. Now, these are examples of changed lives. Paul, sometimes he's called Saul in the Bible, is a man who was very religious but did not know God. Did you know you can be religious and not know God? He was zealous even, but he didn't know God. He knew the the Old Testament, but he didn't know the God of the Old Testament. He knew the promise of the coming Messiah, but he didn't know the Messiah when he came. God wants something more from you than just the shell or the outside or just the religious acts. He wants you. Saul was so zealous religiously that he would even persecute Christians. You may remember he would take Christians off to jail. He even consented to to the death of a righteous man named Stephen. But God changed him on the road to Damascus. He was blinded by a light. It really symbolized what happened to him already spiritually. He he was blinded physically by that light, but he was already blind spiritually. He couldn't see who God was. And he repented of his sins and found salvation in Christ, and his life was changed, dramatically changed. Or even Timothy. Timothy came to know the Lord when he was a young man, apparently. His mother and his grandmother were strong believers. But Timothy was still lost without Christ. And when he gave his life to Christ, God changed him from the inside. God changes lives. That's what he does. Because God sees who you can be. He knows everything there is to know about you. Every sin, every problem, every pain, every hurt. But he also sees what you can be, what others don't see, what you don't see. So I've been reading another Civil War book. I do this. I don't know. I've read lots of them. And I'm reading along a story I'd not read for a long time about a guy named Benjamin Grierson. Benjamin Grierson. I always note, perk up when I see the story of Benjamin Grierson because he was from uh, Jacksonville, Illinois, about two hours north of here. I was I happened to be born there. I mean, I didn't live there, but it, my, it's where my mother went to the hospital. And so I always perk up, you know, and Benjamin Grierson in 1863 for a short time was really famous. You probably don't know him, but he was famous for a short time. He was a... Um, it was part of Grant's army that was coming to Vicksburg. If you know the little story of Civil War, Vicksburg was a big battle, an important part of the battle of the Civil War. And eventually, you know, the, the North was pressing towards Vicksburg, but there were lots of difficulties on this um, 
of taking that city that was high above the Mississippi River. Anyway, Grierson got sent out by Grant on a cavalry raid, 800 miles, 17 days through behind enemy lines in Mississippi all the way to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Cut communications, uh, tore up railroads, and more importantly, served as a diversion for the forces at Vicksburg so that Grant could get across the Mississippi River and into ground where he would eventually lead to the capitulation of Vicksburg. Well, Gerson, I mean, he got famous because of this. 17 days behind enemy lines, 800 miles, I mean, all kinds of confusion that he caused. And magazines and newspapers all over the North, newspapers were the thing. And I always feel like I should explain that to the younger set. But anyway, newspapers used to be, and he was, oh, people talked about Grierson all over the North and not as charitably in the South, they talked about Grierson. But he was such a surprising guy. 18 months earlier, he was the band director at the high school in Jacksonville. That's what he was doing 18 months before he became famous with this cavalry charge. He didn't even like horses. He signed up for the infantry. And they reassigned him to the cavalry. He got kicked in the head when he was a boy by a horse. And he didn't want anything to do with horses. But they assigned him against his wishes to the cavalry. The last guy you would have picked. Unassuming. You know, not so many of the guys who became famous in the Civil War, kind of braggadocious, but he was unassuming. You know what? When, when people see you, they, don't, they may not expect God to use someone like you either. Guys didn't say, you know, Paul's likely to be a real great leader in the church. This guy who right now is persecuting everyone, throwing people into prison, zealous for the wrong things, strong-headed for the wrong things. But God saw in him what he couldn't see. And God sees you, and he sees not just the pain and the scars and the problems and the failures and the brokenness and the hurts and the junk from your past, but he sees who you can be because God is in the life-changing business, and he can bring comfort to that broken heart that you have, to that wound that's deep inside. He changes lives. There's a second thing, second application I'd like to make. He connects believers. He connects believers. Verse 1 says, Paul, who's writing this, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. By the way, can I just point out, Paul's an apostle, not by, he wasn't a vote, he wasn't a politician. I'm grateful for Christian politicians. I won't say I'm grateful for every politician, but I'm grateful for those who follow the Lord. But he was an apostle, not by political vote, but by God's will. God took him from a blasphemer, a uh, persecutor of the church to an apostle. And Timothy, our brother, they made these two family. They never loved each other at all except for the love of Christ. And he writes to the church, notice verse 1, to the church of God at Corinth with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. That's the region around Corinth. Corinth was an important city there in Greece. Rome used it as a capital of that region. And I want to remind you of this principle that God connects believers. He's writing to the church of God at Corinth. I have been... Uh, God has kind of placed on my heart my, the importance for me to love the church, to love the church. We live in a generation that does not much love the church. We act as though the church doesn't matter. It's no big deal. It doesn't, it's not important. Can I point out to you that the, it is the church of God? That's what verse 1 says, the church of God. 
It's not the church of Paul. It's not the church of you or me. It's God's church. It's a God idea. And so I am to love the church, but it goes more than that. God is working on my heart to do more than just love the church. Love the church and love this church. Love this church. To the church of God at Corinth. It was a local church. It was, it was a church specific. You might love the church in a general, and it sounds great, you know, good idea, but not love this church. God has a church for you, and he wants you to love the concept of the church, but he wants you to love the specific church that he places you in. But it's more than that that God's doing in my life. He wants me to love the church and to love this church, but also to love the people in this church. Therein lies the problem, right? Therein lies the problem, because churches are made up of imperfect people. Perhaps you've become aware of that at some point along the way in your life. You're not going to find a perfect church. Did you know that? There are, there's no such thing. Now, we have an absolutely perfect Savior who absolutely perfectly forgives, but there is no perfect church. And part of that is because of you as well as me, right? We're, it's made up of people. And God has reminded me to love the, the church God has reminded me to love this church. God has reminded me to love the people of this church. Can I tell you, the church of Corinth was not like an easy church to love. I, some of you know that before I came here 26 years ago, I was the pastor at First Baptist Church of Corinth, Texas. So our, the name of our town was Corinth. And it was named after Corinth, Mississippi. Some people settled from Corinth, Mississippi. And I think that was named after the church, the city in Greece, Corinth. But sometimes I'll see churches, and we were First Baptist Church of the town, Corinth, uh, Corinth, Texas. But sometimes I'll see churches that name themselves Corinth Baptist Church. And I think to myself, you know, the church in Corinth was really messed up, really messed up. Lots of problems, probably the most problem-plagued church in all the New Testament. And they named themselves, maybe they just don't know, they named themselves Corinth Baptist Church. And maybe they just don't know. Or maybe they do, and they say, this church is going to be a messed up church. So let's just go ahead and name it what it is right now up front. You'll, we'll see that as we work through this second uh, book of 2 Corinthians. Plenty of problems in the church. And yet, and yet, we're to love the church because it's the church of God at Corinth with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, Achaia all this region. He's saying, we're, we connect. Listen, we need each other. Can you imagine... Do you, know the, do you know the fastest growing church? I'm told this is, this is true. The fastest growing church, I mean churches, the region of the fastest growing church in the world is the church in Iran. Would you have guessed that? Would that have been at the top of your list? If it, yeah, probably. Let's see. Iran. With all the emptiness that came with the uh, Islam uh, forced as the political rule of the country came an emptiness and just God has worked in Iran in some amazing ways and that church can you imagine the folks in Iran saying should we you know is it important to have Christian fellowship do you think it would sound a little odd to them to imagine hearing about the Western church where people say, I follow Jesus, but I don't, I don't see any value in being connected with other believers. 
and it's not any big deal, it doesn't matter. Here are people who are longing for connection, who recognize the value of fellowship, the importance of being connected together, who are willing to die for their faith, but they stand together while God gives them breath. And while many in the Western world just so casual about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the church of God, it says in verse 1, the church of God, he's the one who made it. And there's a power to this connection and importance to it. And I tell you, we need it. We need the connection. It's a part of how God comforts. There's a power to that. I love seeing life groups rally together when there's some problem or some need. I love to see them connect with each other when someone's going through a broken relationship or a broken heart or some financial difficulty or some health problem or whatever the problem may be. There's a connection. There's a third thing I want you to note in application. I've said he changes lives and he connects believers, but he provides his attributes. One of the things God does is to provide for us. The God of all comfort gives us his attributes. And verses 2 and 3 talk about these attributes. Grace, verse 2 says, grace to you. Paul says this often in these letters. He's talking about grace is kind of the opposite side, the connected side, two sides of the same coin of mercy and grace. It's about God's love. Grace is where God loves us, though we don't deserve it. And mercy is where God withholds from us the judgment that we do deserve. And these are really kind of the same concept on the opposite coins, and they they go to get opposite sides of the same coin. They go together. God's grace, we can be loved by God, though we don't deserve it. Peace, verse 2 says, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. I'm from the peace generation. We talked about peace. We made the peace sign, and we didn't know the first thing about peace often because peace will only be found ultimately in the Lord himself, and he can give peace in this warring, damaged, broken world. Some of you are looking for peace in all the wrong places. Only the Lord can provide it, and he wants to give to us his attributes. So I I say to you, come to Jesus for comfort. Come to Jesus for comfort. Can I tell you, you won't find it in a bottle. Lots of people have tried to find it there. Lots of people have gone before you trying to find comfort in a bottle, and it can't be found there. You won't find it in a pill. Lots of people have tried. There are many people in our church who could give testimony. They tried to find it there. But I want to ask you to come to Jesus for comfort. Bring him your broken heart. Bring him your trauma, your pain, your past. Bring him your failures, your sin, the wrong choices you made, the wrong choices that, have, that others made that affected you. Bring them all to Jesus. He is the one who forgives and heals and comforts. Now, there's a second principle I'd like you to note. Would you write this down? God comforts for a purpose. This is important for us. God comforts for a purpose. So let's go to verse 4 because it's an important verse for us. The Bible says, He comforts us in all our affliction so that, now that so that's important. It's telling us purpose. It's saying there's a reason for what God has done. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So it's saying three things here. It's saying we all have scars. We all have scars. He comforts us in all our affliction. Every one of us here has a scar, many scars. All of us have sinned. Our sins bring scars, and we have sinned against God. Sometimes we've sinned against him openly, and we've said, you're not going to tell me what to do. We say things like, I know what the Bible says, but I know what God wants, however, and we go our own way. 
We sometimes shake our fist right at God and say, you're not going to tell me what to do, God. I'm going to do what I want. And with that sin comes scars, deep scars and wounds. Sometimes there's sins that no one else knows. No one else knows. We hide them from everyone. But they bring scars nonetheless. And we all have scars. Everyone here is a sinner. Everyone here has scars. It's not just our sins that are these afflictions. The scars come not just from the choices we've made, though we've made enough. But they also come from the pains of others, people who have wronged us and harmed us and hurt us. And because of their sins, we face scars. And sometimes it's just because of living in a fallen world. Since the days of Adam and Eve, when sin entered the world, this has been a fallen world, and so bad things happen, and pain is a part of our world, and so we, with that pain comes affliction. It might be your past. Some of you have a deep scars from your past that you have never overcome. Some of, them, some of them are sins that you've not been ever willing to turn over to the Lord. Sometimes people have wronged you or harmed you or hurt you, and you've lived with that bitterness. Sometimes you've just gone through pain and never known how to deal with it. We all have scars. But note as well, God comforts us. He brings healing to those scars. He forgives us of our sin. Did you know there's not a sin you have that God can't forgive? He can forgive every sin. He can heal every wound. You don't have a wound that's too big for God. Now, you have some that are too big for you, but you don't have one too big for God. He can heal you of your past and your pain and your problems. Whatever hurts you have from your past, whatever problems or difficulties you face, we all have affliction. But God is able to comfort. And notice, we all have scars, and God comforts us with those scars, but he also comforts us for more than us. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So if you're a note taker, would you write these two things down? Number one, would you write, we use our comfort to comfort others. One of the purposes for which God comforts us is to comfort others. God wants us to be comforted so that we comfort others. He comforts us in all our affliction so that, there's that purpose, we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. The comfort that we get is the means by which we comfort others. Through the comfort we ourselves receive from God, that's the means by which we comfort others. I want you to know that your testimony is powerful. Your testimony is powerful. Now, we, we want to build on the truth of God's Word. God teaches us the truth. And we want to be Bible-based. I tell you, there are many people who don't, who don't know the first thing about the Bible, and they've never gone through the Bible, and they don't know, and they don't, they don't understand it. They don't care about it. They've never read it, but they know you. And when they see God working in you, your testimony is a power in their life, and God will use your testimony. In our church family are people with every kind of sin in their past, every kind of sin. So whatever it is that you brought, you're not the only one. In our church family are people with every kind of wound, every kind of problem in their past, the same ones you're facing, others have faced. And there is a power to our testimonies. God uses the testimony 
of the healing we receive in him as a means by which others can consider it. Every, every person has a testimony. Every Christian has a testimony. And what I'm saying is God will use your past to help others with their present. God will use your past to help others with their present. So as you find healing that comes from the Lord, God will use you to help others who have not yet found that healing. One of the reasons he brings healing to you is so that you can help them to find healing in their own lives. I love the ministries that help us with this, things like divorce care. People have gone through the pain and the heartbreak of divorce who find someone else who's found some healing and bring some comfort or grief share. People have gone through the darkness and the pain of grief but have found healing in the Lord. By the way, it's not that we, it's not if you'll grieve. If you have a loss, you will grieve. The question is, will you grieve well or poorly? But you're going to grieve. The Christian grieves. We just don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. And we can find the healing that comes from the Lord. And with that healing, we can help others who are going through those dark days of grief. So if you've gone through loss, if you've had a broken relationship, if you've had a, if you've had a disappointment in life, if you have some trauma, if there's something in your past, if you fail in some way, if someone's harmed or wronged you, as you find healing, you can use that healing, God will use that healing as a means of you helping others. We say it like this in our church, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. God would use it as a means by which you find healing, and God would use that healing as a means by which others who are in pain would find that healing for themselves. We use our comfort to comfort others. There's a second thing I want you to write down. Our blessings are for more than us. Now, this is an important one for us to get. Our blessings are for more than us. Now, we are tempted to read verse 4 differently. We might want to read it like this. He comforts us in all our affliction, period. Now, it is true that God comforts us in all our affliction. Whatever affliction we face, God can bring comfort. Whatever problem, whatever past, whatever trauma, whatever mistake, whatever failure, whatever harm, whatever damage, whatever scar you bring, he comforts us in all our affliction. But notice it doesn't have a period. Instead, it says this, he comforts us in all our affliction, comma, so that, that's the purpose, we may be able to comfort those. Here's what the Bible's saying. God is not blessing you just so you have a blessing. He is not blessing you just so you can have a blessing. Otherwise, he could have just put a period there and he could have just said, he comforts those who have had any kind of affliction, period. But instead, there's the comma and the so that. God has blessed you, certainly, to bless you. Of course. He heals you to heal you. Of course. But that's not the only reason he blesses you. And that's not the only reason he heals. He blesses you so that you will be a blessing. Do you see the difference? Not just so you have it, but so that you, through the blessing you've received from God, will give that blessing to others. God has not made you just to be a taker. I have a blessing for you. Now you receive it. God has blessed you to receive the blessing and to give the blessing to others. 
And the comfort that God gives to you is a means by which you comfort others. The blessings he gives to you are the means by which you bless others. Far too many Christians have just said to God, you know what I want from you, God? I just want blessings. And have never considered that God has blessed them. Has God blessed you? In thousands of ways. But has he blessed you just so you have them? Or is it for something more? Isn't it that God in heaven has blessed you so that you will be a blessing to others? And if you will get that, it will change the way you view your Christian life. So that you stop just living your Christian life. What's in it for me? What do I get? What can I have? God bless me so that I'm blessed. And you begin to see that God in heaven, who has blessed you abundantly, has done that so that you will make a difference in this world. He has blessed you with salvation as, as a, fab, a fabulous gift that God gives. But he blesses you with salvation so that you will be a blessing to others who need to hear the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. He, he, he gives you blessings in life so that through those blessings you've received, you'll be a blessing to others. He comforts you in all the afflictions that you face so that through that comfort you receive, you can give that comfort to others and the blessing that God has blessed you with becomes a blessing to others. God has blessed you for more than yourself. He's blessed you to be a blessing. And Christian, there are some of you who have thought, who've lived your life as though what God has said is, period. You just have this blessing, and you hold it, and you take care of it. And God is saying, oh, it's so much more. Every blessing I've given to you is for more than you. So that you will be a blessing to others. And God will work in the lives of others through the healing that he gives to you. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? <clears throat> As we pray, I want to ask us to pray about our couple of specific things. Some of you need to be saved. You need to be saved. You need to give your life to Christ. Repent of your sins. Place your trust in Jesus. And I want to ask you today, right now, where you are, watching online here in this worship center, will you give your life to Christ right now? Lord, I have sinned against you. I'm not going to hide it, pretend it, argue with it, justify it. And my sin has separated me from you, and I need you as my Savior. I want to repent of my sin and give my, place my faith in you and ask you to save me, and Christ will save you. I believe there are many Christians here who are still struggling with their past and pain and hurt, and you need God's comfort. And the good news is God is the God of all comfort. When you say, God, I'm going to turn to you, I don't want to turn to anything, all the other ways that I think I'm going to find comfort that have failed me in the past, I'm going to turn to you. I want to find your comfort, your healing, your hope, your purpose. You're bigger than my problems. You're bigger than my pain. You're bigger than my failures. You're bigger than my past. I don't have to live in bondage. I don't have to be a victim forever. Lord, I want to trust that you're, you're bigger than my sins. You're bigger than the hurts I have. And I want to give them all to you. I want to learn to think about them as you think about them. To forgive where you call me to forgive. To change where you call me to change. To be what you want me to be. Some of you have been blessed, but you've lived life as though that blessing was just for you. And I want to ask you to say a simple prayer to God. Would you say God, to God these words? If you mean it from your heart, God, would you help me to be a blessing? Would you help me to be a blessing? Would you say that to God? God, help me to be a blessing. You've blessed me in so many ways. Would you help me to be a blessing? Because God's blessed you for a purpose, and it's more than just you. And the God of all comfort will use you and the comfort that he's given to you as a means by which others will find that same comfort. Father, thank you for the power of your word.
Thank you, Lord, for the truth you teach us. Thank, thank you for the comfort you give because of who you are. And I pray you'll do your work in the lives of people. There are people who need to be saved and people who need to grow and people who need to forgive and people who need to overcome. And Lord, all of this is greater than us, but none of it bigger than you. You're the God of all comfort. And so we want to turn over all of our scars. We come to you with all the scars that we have, the ones that are self-inflicted, the ones that are uh, afflicted by others, the ones that just come from living in this fallen world and just come to you to find healing, strength, and meaning, and purpose. And I pray you'll use that then in our lives as a means by which, so that in our lives, as a means by which we find the purpose of helping other people to find that same blessing. And Lord, we thank you for who you are, and we want to bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.